If you've never attacked the darkness, then you just might be playing it wrong. Ah, oh, welcome to another episode of Playing It Wrong. Episode ah, 14, I think. I should really stop counting these things. Alright, what do we got this episode? We got all sorts of stuff. Well, lots of stuff's going on, but there's no reason to fan stuff that's like in the ancient times of, well, a week ago. So, eh, yeah, screw that. <clears throat> What's up with my game that I've been running in Lapler and Floored? Well, we have ended again on a cliffhanger. We are going through, trying to do no spoilers here, but they're going to keep a Borderlands, and I threw in Shadowbrook Manor by uh, Goblinoid Games, and they started messing around with the manor. Like I said, I try no spoilers, but let me put it this way. There's a thing inside the manor that if the player characters mess around with it, causes confusion to be cast upon the party. The net result of this said confusion was the paladin murders the rest of the party. Yes, a near TPK, and the DM did not have to roll any dice to do it. So, but he's not all alone, because previously before that, just a little ways from the manor, there's a dryad. And guess who failed their saving throw? Yes, the paladin, so he's going to go back, cry on his new friend's shoulder, and wait for some more player characters to show up. And that is where we get are at that campaign. Next week we've got our 5th edition group and I switched up characters because well, I'm tired of seeing people die so I'm playing a dwarf fighter cleric. However, I did take a little more fighter inspiration. If you've ever watched Boondock Saints, let me put it this way I'm one dwarf with six axes. Take inspiration where you can get it. Alright, what's on to this episode? Uh, this episode I want to talk about adventuring in a city. Well, I should say city campaigns, not just adventuring in a city where you've got a larger world where you're out adventuring. I'm talking about a whole campaign that is centered around one city. I started down this mental wormhole mainly because I'm resurrecting the new base city thing for uh, Dark Streets and Darker Secrets. But that got me thinking about, well, why not doing it with other games? Sure, I've done it with espionage games where, well, sometimes they're in one city, or at least it was major cities around the world, you know, real ones, but, you know, kind of fin fictionalized versions, because I never even used a map of Rome or Berlin or Tokyo or wherever they happen to be. And also on the fantasy front, of course, uh, the Dungeon Crawl classics like Mar should be back from the printers very soon. Kickstarter backers have the PDFs, and our hard copies should be shipping when that stuff gets in the country. So, that got me thinking about adventuring in a city. You know, I did that whole earlier string of episodes about world building, and a lot of my ideas come in the same way. Of yeah, Start in the biggest picture and work your way down. But unlike City State of the Invincible Overlord, you don't need to work it down to who's living in each individual freaking house. I mean, if you want a tome of notes full of NPCs that most of them, the player characters, will never even see or hear about, then go right ahead. It's your game. Do whatever you want. But for me, I want things that are useful. And like I said, you don't need a whole distinct detailed map, but at least a map of where things are in relation to each other, which, to give you rough traveling times and what neighborhoods are next to which ones. So what's really going to drive it are two things. The people the characters know, and the people that the characters are not going to like, and the people who don't like the player characters. And the city kind of turns into the backdrop. 
<clears throat> now you can stick in catacombs and sewers and ancient ruins underneath the city and all other neat stuff. So you can have your standard dungeon crawls, no problem. But your city, well, you know, your rangers and your druids outside of nature may be a little meh. But hey, why not have an urban ranger or freaky yet an urban druid? Yes, I summon cockroaches. I wild shape into the to a sewer gator or I don't know a giant rat. I don't know pizza rat. Who knows? Anyway, back on track. As a DM, you're gonna have to be more reactive than proactive because sure, there's gonna be lots of plots going on, but you have no control on which way the player characters are gonna go. So you gotta react. All right. So just. Think of the city as one big mega-dungeon, okay? How about that? Does that make it more clear? You don't control where the players are going to go in the, the dungeon. You don't control when they rest and all that other stuff. You, you, can, you can influence with wandering monsters and where they are and all that stuff. But they're still going to make their decisions to go to the left door or the right door. Uh, maybe find the secret door, not find the secret door. It's the same thing in the city. You just don't have to have, this, like I said, the detailed map gets in your way, in my opinion. And I know, I keep saying detailed map. I should say overly detailed map. You know, significant landmarks, you know, they should be marked. And things like if there's a river that runs down the middle of the city, where the bridges are, where the crossing points are, where the entrance to the catacomb sewer mega dungeon underneath ruins underneath the city are. Or, hey, if you want to be strange, have a subterranean city and have the ruins above your city. <laughs> so, back on track here because I'm rambling. All right, so you've got your city, so you're going to have to do your political factions, your economy, including of where people get food, if that's really necessary, and how that might affect things. And the fact, like I said, the factions, both political, religious, economical, perhaps racial, or um, class-based, who knows? Depends on your city. You get those going. You put them in different parts of the city you try to find at least one major overarching conflict either between the groups or from an outside force and yet turn the player characters loose and see where they go. The problem is, I'll have to admit it, sometimes players aren't very proactive, especially at the beginning of a campaign. So you may have to nudge them and have some stuff up your sleeve for things to happen to get them going and get them involved in any sort of plot. And like I said, for a DM, you're going to have to be more reactive than proactive because you could plot stuff out, but if they don't go over there, they're never going to see it. It's like you know building that wonderful hex crawl, and they never go east. They go north, they go south, they go west, but they never go east. Be also prepared for minor inconsequential NPCs to suddenly become very important for the player characters. I know that's a running joke, it's a meme and everything else, but it's true. It happens. If you've been around the table long enough, you'll see it happen time and time again. A good DM can kind of cover it up. <laughs> but, yeah. Be prepared to start filling in those backgrounds. Like I've talked to you in the earlier ones about campaigns and stuff. Take clues from your players. And don't be afraid to take inspiration from them. Now, I, I said, I'm just doing a total ramble cast here. So what do you as a DM... What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Here's what I'm doing. And I'm going back. I, I've got an idea for a fantasy one, too. But that's going to be on the blog. It'll be coming up. Who knows where it's going to end up. But you've got your main idea for your city. All right. Who's going on? And go ahead and start making some, shall we say, random encounter tables for different districts and neighborhoods. 
and have a good variety of these districts, rich, poor, nearly, you know, anarchy neighborhoods, a religious neighborhood, whatever. It make it fit your view of the city and then let the players run in and mess it all up. Now, one thing I will admit that I'm not too crazy about is when DM has to use the city guard slash the police or whatever to keep the player characters in line. One, they shouldn't be doing stupid stuff like that, but if they do, let them take their lumps. But by the same token, don't use those to keep them in line and keep them focused on this and keep them from, you know, unless it's a really oppressive regime, if it's not part of the plot, let the plot play out and let anything really crazy and wild be dealt with that way, with whatever consequences may come about. Yes, if you're assuming that I have absolutely no notes written down about this, you are correct. It's all crap that was inside of my brain that I'm sprouting out now. Now, if you were to ask me what one book would you use, especially in a fantasy game, especially like, well, let's face it, D&D, that you would use to build, run, and work on your city, and that would be, wait for it, probably not what you're thinking, Cities by Chaosium, 1986 version. I do not know if I couldn't find it available any place online. It's by Steve Abrams and John Everson with additional material editorial layout by Lynn Willis. It has charts for just about everything you can imagine. And I will tell you one thing, the coolest thing about that thing, a lot of the random encounters are somebody bumps into a player character. They just bump into them. Now, you know player characters. I check my gold, or I just like kill the guy. You know what's going to happen. Where was I? I don't remember. Oh, well. We'll move on now. Uh, interruptions, real life interruptions. Anyway. Um, cities, get it, grab it, find it if you can. I, I couldn't find it on drive-thru, folks. I'm sorry. I don't know why Chaosium hasn't released it again, because it is an awesome book. That being said, you're still going to have to do work. You're going to have to make that map. And guess what? You're going to have to make a bunch of interesting NPCs of varying power levels. Especially ones that can pretty much kick the player character's ass without breaking a sweat. Yes, even in cities, encounters should definitely not be scaled for your convenience. There's going to be stuff you can roll over. There's going to be stuff that can just kick your ass and not care. It's all about what happened. All right, I have rambled on for 10 minutes about cities. Yay. It's going to be much more interesting when I start writing some of this stuff out. I've already started on converting the new base city stuff. And for fantasy, I don't know what system I'm going to use it. And that's the neat thing about your notes for cities. The system doesn't matter that much. For the new base city, it's been World of Darkness. Then it was Fate with Dresden Files. And now it's going to be Dark Streets and Darker Secrets. Three entirely different systems. Guess what? I'm, I got an idea for Fantasy City. It's going to be cool. Trust me. I don't know. It's probably going to be blog fodder. Anyway, on to the reading of the Little Brown Books, and let's talk about this week, because I skipped it last week. Orcs. Oh, crap. I'm looking at my bookmark. It is not orcs. We did orcs before. We're on hobgoblins, because remember, we're on volume two, Monsters and Treasure, and we're still in the monsters. So what do we got here? We left off with hobgoblins, because I do now remember this. I did know the huge thing about orcs. Hobgoblins, they're just large, fearless goblins, so... But a goblin king fights like an ogre. 
I like the way it kind of defines that stuff. However, Knowles, Knowles, I bet none of you, unless you are really, really, really into the ancient history of D&D, know the description of Knowles. And they're in a dang thing about hyenas. A knoll is a cross between a gnome and a troll. Look it up. Look it up in the book. You will not believe it. Mine is copyright 1974. Um, what printing is this? I have no idea. It doesn't even say what printing. Uh, but yes, that is the first thing. And knolls are a cross between gnomes and trolls. With a plus two more trial. Otherwise, they're similar to hobgoblins. Although a knoll king and his, and his bodyguard... Of from one to four will fight as trolls but lack the regenerative power. That little tidbit of wisdom has never really went forward and I completely forgot about it. Ogres. Well, they fight like hobgoblin kings. Just kidding. They're large, fearsome monsters. Seven to ten feet tall. And um, they have lots of hit points. <coughs> they have one to six hundred gold pieces each. Gnolls uh, are gnomes and trolls. That's, that yeah, still got me there, man. Giants, as stated in Chainmail, once again, uh, as mobile light catapults with a 20-foot range. That really dehumanizes the Giants. You're just a catapult, dude. Um, two die damage. Wandering Giants carry from 1,000 to 6,000 gold pieces with them in their usual copious shoulder pack. Note that there can be many types of Giants, including the following. Hill, Stone Giants, throw as a heavy catapult. Frost Giants, impervious to cold. Fire Giants, impervious to fire. Cloud Giants, fee five fo fum I smell the blood of an Englishman. They smell well. Hill Giants are common, and they get less and less calm. Of course, there are no Storm Giants yet, but hey, what happens? Skeleton Zombies, because they're pretty much kind of the same, except, you know, a skeleton is an overdone zombie. <coughs> Ghouls. And once again, we go back to Chainmail. Whites and ghouls paralyze any normal figure they touch, excluding elves. They otherwise, mainly in regular fashion, are subject to missile fire. Any man type killed by a ghoul becomes one. That really sucks. It makes ghouls much more dangerous if you bring back these rules. You know, this is a line of neat stuff that you can, like, bring back to modern games and, like, like whoa, why? Like, well, yeah, ghouls. Yeah, you get killed by a ghoul, you're a ghoul. Whites, yeah, guess what? Drain life energy. They drain one level per hit. Hit removes both the hit die and the corresponding energy to fight. Whites cannot be affected by normal muscle fire, but silver-tipped arrows will score normal damage, and magical arrows do double damage. Magical, we magical weapons, full damage. And those are the special add amount of bonus, blah, blah, blah. Uh, men types killed by whites become whites. Uh, wraiths. They're high-class whites with more mobility. They're, they have upper mobility. <laughs> I had to do that. And then we have mummies. Do not drain life energy as whites and wraiths, but instead they cause a rotting disease. Which takes wounds ten times the usual time to healing. A cleric can reduce this only... can only reduce... I'm sorry, I'm trying to read. I can't read very well. A cleric can reduce this to only twice as long with a cure disease spell if administered within an hour. Only magical weaponry will hit mummies, and all hits and bonuses are at one-half value against them. 
Note, however, that mummies are vulnerable to fire, including ordinary kind of a torch. Spectres, and we're not talking Dr. No here. Spectres. No corporeal body, which makes them totally impervious to all normal weaponry, but can be struck by magical weapons, including silver-tipped arrows. They drain two levels of energy when they score a hit. And if you're killed by a specter, you become controlled by the specter that killed you. Yay. That puts us down to vampires. And I think vampires do deserve their own their own thing so I can bitch about Stride and vampires and goths. Because I'm doing the new Bay City stuff. I'm doing the urban fantasy right now. messing with that. So that means I'm going to complain about that stuff. And that's going to wrap it up for this show. It's a good, what, we're 17, 18 minutes? I don't know. Because I haven't done my little outro yet of please go ahead and visit the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. And it's the letter B, not B-E, because I'm a stupid idiot. Find us on Facebook. They might be gazebos. I might even start getting a MeWe community just to, I don't know, so people don't have to follow me, but they can just go to that community. So with that, I will bid you adieu on this episode, and hopefully I have plans, plans, wonderful plans to do some new and wonderful stuff with the blog and also with the podcast. Wish me luck. It's going to be an interesting week, folks. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. And remember, the most important thing is World Ice. Have fun, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have even more fun. Thanks for listening.